Live stream, hello. Good to see you. Thank you for being with us. Today is going to be an interesting morning, I hope. And uh, we just praise God uh, for you being a part of us and joining us. And I hope you brought some questions with you about healing. Uh, we've been talking about healing for uh, many weeks now. And, uh, you know, the story behind it is we were sitting and talking about healing is in the atonement. Uh, in other words, it was covered by what Jesus paid, and then we had a class that was hindrances to healing. And as soon as we talked about hindrances to healing, uh, man, the hands started going up, and then people had questions. And, you know, we have experiences that we've had, and it's good for us to figure out and know more about God, but what we have to watch is that our experiences will establish doctrine. Because here's the problem with experience. A lot of time there's variables that you are unaware of. And so there'll be variables, for example, in healing. Well, there was this person, and they were the most godly person I knew. And they trusted God for healing. They believed. They had faith for healing, and they died. Well, what do you do with that? Well, here's the thing. You don't know what was in their heart. And it's not necessarily what they say because it says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, it shall be done. So a lot of times people can say things and just because they're holy to you doesn't mean they're holy to God. Maybe they got some stuff that wasn't, you know. So a lot of times there's variables that we are not aware of and those variables can hold us back from the promises of God. And so just because you saw somebody that you thought really, really highly of doesn't mean that they were in faith, doesn't mean that they actually believe that. A lot of people have you know, years and years and decades of experience against healing because they've been watching experience without knowing the variables. They've been watching other people. They've been taught wrong. Even the majority of the church has been taught wrong on healing. In my experience, the majority of people do not understand healing when you get down to it and start talking about it and discussing it. The majority of people do not understand it. So that gives you an idea, if, if you just believe what I just said, that gives you an idea how we can miss healing. It, just, it, it can happen. And that's okay as long as we grow out of it and we learn the true character and nature of God. That's what we need. We don't need to just uh, go after what we think. You don't need to go after what I think. We all need to go after what does God think. And that's, that's why at the beginning of talking about healing, we talked about the character and nature of God because it goes hand in hand with who God is. And many times when you see people accept Christ and accept who he is in the Bible, healing went right along with it because Jesus knew that they're a pair. Amen? So as soon as we accept Christ, we should see that as, I'm healed. I have divine healing. So... Anyway, we, have, uh, we went over the character and nature of God, his love, because you start to see that he is love and you start to understand, he doesn't want me sick. And then we went over his sovereignty and how sovereignly the Lord set 
healing as his character and nature. So in other words, for somebody to not be healed and to not believe in God as a healer, what they're actually doing is believing an anti-nature of God, an anti-character. Uh, I would even go so far as, as to uh, have an anti-Christ uh, thought in that way because the Christ in himself, that name means anointing and freedom, the anointed one, and it means to bring you freedom. Freedom from what? Any part of the curse, and sickness is a part of the curse. So um, there's a lot to it, and a lot of people get mad uh, because they have been taught other things. And uh, so this morning what we wanted to do was op open it up to questions. And uh, in the sovereignty of God, one of the things that we saw was that, um, you know, God established himself as a healer through the Father, through the Son, and through the Holy Spirit. He established himself as a healer in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. He established himself as a healer uh, through the prophets, through his Son, through the apostles, but also through just plain believers. It didn't stop at the apostles. You see Philip. Uh, you see healing taking place. You know, here's the thing. Uh, there's a lot. One uh, theology out there is that, uh, or one doctrine out there is that healing passed away. You know, with the apostles. That's a doctrine that is you know, widely preached. That those things and and a lot of the gifts of the spirit manifestation. But here's the thing: if you see one healing take place after the apostles. That proves that doctrine wrong. You know, if you see one gift take place, well, that doctrine's false. You know, it, it's an incorrect doctrine. So, uh, and I've seen, we've seen plenty of healings just right here. Um, so that's awesome. So I want you to get your questions ready. I hope you got them ready. Has anybody got a question right now about healing? Yep. All right. Well, let's think about your question. So, do you want me to come up? You can just sit. Okay. All right. Cool. So the question I have is can you? speak a little bit on the authority you have as a spouse or the authority you have as a parent because I think what I've heard over these last lessons is healing for myself how to take that own it step into that with my own faith and my own belief right but I'm also a part of one with my husband yep and I'm also the parent to a child yeah. And I know that children carry the same spirit inside of them that I do and I get that and I see it in super kids all the time yep. but if you could speak to that I think that would that would help me okay. clear up. Um, so the question is, as far as healing goes, what spiritual authority do we have? So as, there's several links of spiritual authority, and I'll just try to be really brief with this part, but there's several links of spiritual authority. One is by bloodlines. So if you are uh, physical, blood-related, to somebody, there's a sense of authority, particularly if you are one with somebody, if you are married, um, and if you have your children, uh, your parents have some, uh, even kids as they grow up can have some authority uh, in their parents' lives. Um, and spouses can have authority in their spouses' lives, and, and parents definitely have authority in their children's lives. It's, that is some of the order just all through the Bible where order is set up where they have some authority. Now, there's other authorities such as a shepherd. 
Um, in other words, when you, it doesn't, just because you come to church doesn't mean that I have an authority in your life. But when you decide to submit yourself to an authority, now that authority, that's what we saw in the centurion. Uh, when he said, I'm a man under authority, and, and if I'm told to go, I go, they go, you know, every, there's an authority. He submitted himself to the authority of Christ, and Christ was able at that place to say, go. And it had to be fixed. It had to be healed. The servant had to be healed. So there's an authority that comes spiritual when, spiritually when you submit yourself to authority. And that's very important. And you don't want to just submit yourself to any authority because you can run into some of the same problems that they have if they've got some issues. At the same time, if they're good and if they're going after God, then they can have some authority and it'll go. You know, I've been able to just you know, get on the phone with people before and they're having an issue and say, in Jesus' name, that's it. And if they were submitted, generally it'll go. Because then they have a lot of that authority in them, but imagine how strong it can be if two now in submission and authority, proper submission and authority, are lined up. So, But here's the problem. Let's say that uh, John, let's say that John is uh, part of my family or he's a part of my spiritual family. Um, let's say that he's there. I can have authority in his life, but I cannot dictate his life. Okay, So I can't make him do that. So let's say that he was raised uh, to believe that healing is not of God or it's not for today, or he believes that if it's your will, then you'll heal me. Okay, uh, All of these we've kind of talked about. Well, I can believe in healing for sure. And I can pray over him, but what's going to happen? I can release that power, but there's two things that can, can happen. His belief can actually block my power, okay? Block that anointing, that authority that's transferring, all right? So his belief can do that. Or he can receive it, but because of his lack of knowledge or lack of understanding, as soon as he receives it, he steps right back out of it. He's like, well, we'll see if this works. Well, you just, you just broke that power because you just basically said, I don't know if it worked, right? Doesn't matter if you feel something. Doesn't matter. You know, we got to get to the one of the big parts of healing is this, is that people constantly look to their body to check and see whether or not it worked. That's walking by sight. And so what they'll do is they'll look at their body. Well, is the pain gone? You know, and it's good to, to check that, but you've got to realize that when hands are laid on you, right, that anointing, according to the word, that power for healing is released. Or even when we just pray and say the word. That power is released. So at that moment, if you can imagine it like this, from heaven, the power is coming for full restoration. Now, that restoration may take place instantly, or it may take some time. Now, why does it take some time? Well, I've got some theories, but in general, it doesn't matter. If it's coming, it's coming. If it's released, then it's been released. But what most people do is they go, well, I don't feel it yet. I don't see it yet. It must not have worked. And at that moment, they, step, they themselves in their own will step out of faith, and it didn't work. 
Now, they can turn right back around and say, no, I believe I received that power for healing and pick it right back up and that restoration you know, will be released again. So does that answer your question some? Yeah, you, defining... In what, in what way? Because I thought I covered that. <laughs> define, your, define the question. Can a child stand up against that, just like you spoke about John? So could William, if I prayed over William, if yep. William at 11 yep. didn't actively receive that, it could be resisted? I would say around that age, around, you know, in... in Bible times, 13 was considered an adult, okay? So around that age, they're coming to the place where they play a role with you, okay? And I wouldn't say that they have, and this is just experience, so you, you know, seek the word yourself. I would say that they, I w they don't have 100% authority, but I've, like, when, with our girls, you know, reaching that age now, I'm teaching them how to receive, I'm, I'm beginning to work with them on, hey, this is not just us, it's you too. Well, I'm prepping them for being, you know, full-blown adult and how to operate in that. Now, there is a story that keeps coming to me where uh, Brother Hagen was traveling with a minister, and some, they were having some kind of problem. Uh, I think it was some kind of sickness or something. And uh, Brother Hagen made this statement. He said, while I'm around you, you will not have that sickness. And he was around them for like three days, and the guy had no symptoms. No, I think it was high blood pressure or, or diabetic or something like that. He said, you'll have no problem while I'm around you. Now, the guy could have resisted that, right? And he could have still had some problems, but what Brother Hagen was giving him was he was handing him the ability to be free of this, at least for these few days, if he just realized that when you're around somebody that carries an anointing, anointings are real. And they are important, and it's important who you hang around. And so while you're around this man that carries this anointing, you can walk in the freedom of that anointing. Now, he could have been completely free, too. But what he was saying, he was showing a point, and he was proving out a doctrine that Brother Hagen believed, that uh, you know, when you come into that presence, then you can walk in the fullness of freedom. And we believe that for everybody that walks in these doors. You know? so, um, so in other words, you've you got to look at it like this in Romans 8.11. If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body to life. Quicken life to your mortal body. Well, what does that mean? That means that that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and brought life to him, if it lives in me, then it is actively kicking out any part of the curse, right? Well, it doesn't just stop here, right? It, there's, it covers an area. <laughs> it covers an area. And uh, that anointing is real and tangible. And so if you hang out, then and I'm walking in that and you're or you're walking in that and you're hanging out with somebody it can cover that person and um, so now the thing is for them not to receive the temporary but go ahead and receive it all for good you know and I think that guy maybe did that I think he realized and he said I need to receive this for myself but I don't remember exactly so that's good questions does that help
All right, amen. Any who has another question? So I had this experience. Um, one of my aunts was diagnosed with cancer several years ago, and uh, we always considered them super Christians. You know, they had uh, prayed in the spirit and laid hands. And um, so when she was diagnosed, uh, my mother and several other people in my family, you know, they got all these supposed great healers to come and see her and lay hands on her. Um, and then it got to the point, you know, they weren't seeing any, anything happening. And then, um, so it kind of discouraged several people in my family and, you know, they, sure. they backed them up quite a bit. Um, you know, she ended up passing away and, you know, there were a lot of questions from my mother and uh, several of her sisters, um, as to why, you know, um, my thoughts are that they thought she had given up, but my thoughts were that, you know, maybe she did give up on, you know, life here on earth, but that she knew where she was going. Yes. But they, they couldn't understand that. Um, yeah. But it did set them back spiritually. Sure. Quite yep. a bit. Um, well, and here's the, here's the question that I would have for that. Um, and then their setback kind of proves this. Was their faith in God or was their faith in those people? Because if it was in God, then the setback would have been different. But their faith was in those people, most likely. And, that's, and so a lot of times we, and what we have is we're kind of, you remember back in the series called Stinking Thinking, um, and we talked about lottery mentality where basically we have this mentality that if we'll just go get in front of the right person, then maybe it's our, our ticket comes up and we'll be healed, right? But the, the problem with that is we've got to be the kind of Christians that grow up that understand we've already won the lottery. <laughs> We're not waiting on the ticket. It's just a matter of us getting to know God even more. And I think I cut you off before you were finished, so I wanted to give you a chance for just kind of what was going on in that situation. It's more, all right, yes, she passed away and went to heaven, but it, I think it, then it had turned into an attack, yep. basically, on the people that yep. didn't see the results you know, that they yep. wanted to see here. Um, so, and let me just, let me ask you a couple of questions. How, how important is it then for us actually to know something about healing? You know, what kind of testimony could that have been if it worked out the other way? Right. So that should motivate us to learn more about healing, right? Yes. And it motivated them in a negative way when it didn't happen. But a lot of times people assume that people, you know, don't want to die. You know, they'll assume that they don't. But some people are tired, you know, and they do want to leave this earth. And if they're a Christian, they know to die is gain, you know. <laughs> so, and, and I mean... Sometimes to me, that's motivating. <laughs> it's like, hallelujah, we're going to have a good time. Now, I see it as, you know, Paul sees it when it says, for me, to live is Christ, right? But to die is gain. So I'm not worried about death. And sometimes I'm like, man, it's going to be awesome when we get there. But I have a job to do. I have a job to live out and be the ambassador he's called me to be, right? Otherwise, we just, you know, hey, Lord, 
just take us and the whole family. Just go home, you know. But uh, we have a job to do, and that's a responsibility that we need to accept. But there's a lot of people that, you know, they're tired, and they may know where they're going, and and uh, they don't want to be here anymore. And that happens a lot, uh, actually a lot more than people think. And the other thing is uh, people want to, you know, in the Humility and Grace series, one of the things that we were talking about is uh, how, how much people are deceived, you know, but they don't realize. I mean, deception doesn't come because you recognize it. <laughs> it comes because you don't know what's going on. And a lot of times um, when you're deceived, the problem is you think you're believing, but you're actually not. I, I can't tell you how many times people said, Pastor, I had faith. And then I just ask them a couple of questions. And I, I have enough scripture and knowledge of God to know that they didn't have faith. But trying to talk them out of it and show them that they didn't have faith, I mean, they would argue me down that they had faith. Not knowing that they didn't have faith, but they would argue me down. No, but mm -mm, I've seen people leave because of that. No, I'm like, you know, what, what can I do? You know, you're asking me to solve a problem that you're not willing to actually open up your heart and see the issue. I can't help you, you know. But a lot of people, that's where we have to be humble. And um, most of the time, you know, it kind of goes like this. If somebody is, is so holy and so close to God and God's nature is a healer, then why were you know why are we having to call in anybody anyway? So it kind of shows in itself that we're not as good as we think we are. Um, you remember in the um, in the reset series. You remember in the reset series we showed like the uh, timeline and you know what we ended up at the end of that reset series was what we think is normal today is actually so, this is normal to God, this line here. But what we did is from the Garden of Eden, we went all the way down here. And what we think is great and maybe above average today is still so subpar. And see, a lot of times that's where we're sitting at. And so we'll look at it. And what we do is we rate each other on the curve of subpar instead of rating ourselves on the curve of Jesus. And so then all of a sudden, we look at people and say, oh, they are so holy. And they're not really holy, not, as whole, not, not in God's terms, you know. They just are holier than the people around them, but that doesn't mean that they're in faith. And that's not trying to be hard on them. It's just, hey, we have a responsibility as Christians not to bury talents. What we're revealing here is that there's more potential than what we've been living. That's the point. And that's what actually scares people because they think that their living has been enough. And it really hasn't because the bar is set so low right now. We need to be the kind of people that says, I don't care what the world's uh, levels are. The level I need to be looking for is the fullness of the stature of Christ. And uh, that means we're going to have to get real, be humble, and grow some, and learn some more stuff. And, and uh, the, you know, the truth is, even during the series, I've told you already, man, the devil's been attacking us uh, with sickness the whole time, you know. And, you know, we're coming out of it, and we're believing God for restoration, but it's, you know, it, we're not the kind of people that just always has everything under control and man it's just no we got to work through it too and that's a part of the process is humbling yourself and saying you know what 
If they can miss it, I can miss it. I'm not going to get worried about missing it. I'm just going to keep on going. And because I know the goodness and the character of God is worth me pressing forward and growing and not staying average. Amen? Let's go to Mr. John. Good question. I ran it, and it might take a little bit to piece all this together, but... Nope, next I, question. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I heard this story from a minister that I really respect, and I really get a lot of good information from, and I don't really know which side of the fence I stand on this, so when I present it, you'll understand. Okay. He, uh, he went to the hospital to pray for one of his church members, and... In the bed next to a church to the church member he just prayed for was an unbelieving man. Did not believe in God, did not believe in the deity of Christ. But he petitioned this preacher to come and pray for healing for him. Yep. Okay. The minister's response was he did not believe it was the will of God for that man to be healed. He believed it was the will of God for that man to be saved. Then, if he would get saved, they would move on and do we discuss healing through Christ. Do you agree that that was the proper way to handle that? Do you believe that there is a an order that you need to go to when you're dealing with unsaved people? And the reason why I didn't know which way to to which way I stand on this is because when I go back to the book of uh, Exodus, the unbelieving Pharaoh who didn't believe in God asked. Moses to yep. pray that the that the plague would stop, and yep. when Moses asked, the plague did stop. Yep. So would this have been a? Do you think that healing, if the if the minister would have prayed for the man and he would have been healed, do you think that would have been a turning point that he would have turned to God, or maybe like Pharaoh, he would have just had a hardened heart and he would have got further away? That is a great question, um, and that's one I'll enjoy answering. Um, <laughs> All right, so good. I'm I'm glad I let you ask the question, John. So, <laughs> um, all right, so think about it this way first, and this is going to seem like it answers your question one of those ways, okay. but it doesn't. But this is the important point: Do salvation and healing go together? Yes. Are they one and the same? Yes. Should they be separated? No. Not in our thinking, correct? Okay, so see, it seems like it should be, in other words, if he's going to lead them to salvation, what is he actually leading him to? He's leading them to healing. However, I have heard testimonies of both of these things. I've heard them where there's a, one testimony that says healing is the doorway, all right, for people to come to Christ. It's one of the, it's not, it's not taking the place of Jesus, but it, I would say it, I think they said it like this, it leads them to the door of Christ. Yes, yeah, bread, what he says, breadcrumbs. So there's some people that will get people healed, and here's the thing, all the people that Jesus healed, were they born again? Not a one of them, because born again wasn't available yet. <laughs> so all of them were heathens at that point, right? So, um so that's an interesting point, first of all, because uh, you got to think, too, in 2 Corinthians 5, where it says God is not holding the sins of the world against them. What that literally means is that healing belongs to the world if they'll simply accept Christ. So healing's available for everybody, 
Right. Why? Because God loves us, you know. All right. But, and then there, I've heard some testimonies where people have said, I'm not praying for you until you get born again. I'm not praying healing. And I know, I know a minister that I respect pretty, pretty heavily, and he, he said that to somebody. They were praying, and he, I think their son was dead. They said, I'm not praying for the boy. But see, they'd had so many testimonies of the dead coming back to life that this guy was willing to get born again so that his son, because he knew that if this guy prayed for him, he'd probably come back to life. Well, that's a testimony in itself, isn't it? And he had some leverage on this guy. It's like, you, you accept Jesus as your Savior, your true Lord, and then I'll pray for your boy. Right. So, which way is right? And here, here's what I would say. The Lord knows what's going on inside of every person. Some people will not open and come to the door of Christ if they don't see healing. And some people won't see healing unless they come to the door of Christ. And the Lord knows what's going on in their head, what makes them tick. And what makes them tick one day may be different tomorrow. The very next day. But he knows what's happening right in that moment. And so what's important is for every believer to know how to hear from God, have discernment on what do you want me to do or say in this instance. I've had situations where I believe where the Lord's led me kind of on one of those paths and on the other path another time. So the question is, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to say this? So does that make sense? So, but the important thing to remember is you don't separate salvation and healing because it's a part of the package. They go together, and that's, that's important to understand that because once we understand that, then all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, I'm saved. I must be healed, and you would be correct. Amen. You would be right. <laughs> so, amen. Priscilla had one. Woohoo! Um. I'd like to testify to the truth of things that you've already said. Yeah. Um, over like a month and a half span, I've been experiencing he healing in several different ways. It's been pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but when I had the bronchitis, when I chose to have the bronchitis, he prayed for me. And I believed, you know, I believed in the healing. And he prayed for me. But like you said earlier, after he prayed for me and I was believing it, and then I had a, another symptom come up. And then I immediately yep. chose not to choose healing anymore. And then I went to the doctor and all this stuff, and I missed it. Yeah. And I remember missing that. And then I come up to this past Wednesday, I was making some dinner, and I poured, I don't want to tell you what it was, it's country. <laughs> <laughs> some macaroni and cheese on Wednesday night. And um, I pulled the pot off of the stove, and I was not paying as much attention as I should, but as I was tipping the pot over in the to the strainer I poured the water over the boiling water over my hand and instantly this is this goes to renewing and resetting my mind also instantly my thought was like the world I'm at the thing put it under the cold water and yeah. I did that and then immediately I was like no that's not right you know yeah. that's that's the world that's not God's way and I looked at my hand and I was like no I'm healed I'm fine and by the time I was here, nobody could even see the redness. I saw a little bit of redness still here. Yeah. But I was telling about it, and, and I testified to this because, like you were saying, the first time, you know, I just gave it up. But the second time, I did turn back. I immediately went to what my mind was not completely reset to. And I'm not saying it already is completely reset, but I'm moving in that yeah. direction. Yeah, yeah. 
um, I did better this time than I did last time, um, which was exciting for me. But I say that because it was the process of me choosing, wait a minute, and actively putting my mind towards, hey, yes, I need to wash the world away in me in that. It, it's hard for us to grow if we don't consider the areas that we need to grow in. In other words, if we're not meditating on it and meditating on the promises, is we're never going to grow in areas that we're not willing to consider or meditate on. You know, you don't you don't just uh, grow because you sit still and never process where you need to change, you know, or, or grow. And that's, so it's very important for us to think on. That's why a lot of times you see healing in churches that talk about healing, you know. You see salvation in churches that talk about salvation. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So uh, when that word becomes revelatory and we start to get a revelation of it, that's when that healing starts to pop or anything of faith starts to actually work. So, Yeah. Hold, hold on, we need a mic. If you, but who else has a question? All right, Miss Jane. <laughs> and I and let me let me just ask this question real quick. Who has more questions? And it looks like we're not going to have time, but you still do have more questions. Does anybody? You got questions? Because we may do this again next week. Because this this it's good for people to ask these kind of questions. So if y'all want to, we'll do it again. And anybody that's watching, feel free to send in questions. We'll be happy to answer them. I don't really know how to how to. State the question. I'll just explain it, and then you just okay. form the question for me. Um, awesome. For, for me, is this on? Can you guys hear me fine? Yeah. Okay. Um, for me, I have a lot more faith in, in myself to put hands on other people. Yep. But when it comes to myself, I automatically go to the flesh. Right. And, I, like, for example, like with my brother, I think it's been almost a year ago, he had to go to the hospital. Blood sugar was 1122. Yep. My first, I start praying. I start yep. praying, I start praying. And, of course, you know, he's he is great. He's up running around fine now. And Scarlett, like when stuff happens to her, like last night, she popped her head on the on the counter instantly. Hands go on her. Yeah. This is not you. This is not going to be a bruise. God, you come yep. in and you fix this. But when it comes to myself, I'm not, my brain does not go there. Yes. So it is as far as just... Just well, reset, like Priscilla so, said, just keep reassuring? Or? Well, the question that you want to do is basically figure out why am I having the disconnect with myself? Yeah. All right, and so that comes back to several different things. First of all, uh, most of the time that comes back to our worth, all right, how we see ourselves as valuable. It's like we can believe, and, and let me say this, first of all, my experience has been, and this, this isn't written in a scripture that I know of, but my experience has been every person pretty much deals with that exact same thing, including me. I've had to deal with that too. And uh, because it's like, man, I believe God for people all day long, and it'll happen. It'll happen. And then I'll, I'll get something, and, and I have to work on me. And so I've spent some time thinking on that. And so somewhere there's a disconnect. And eventually, actually, when I started to receive for myself the same way that I would give and let other people receive, I started seeing results. So I, and so it's a shift in your mind. What generally happens is the devil starts to talk to you about how bad you've been. So you might not know, like, 
for your brother or for Scarlett. You might not know everything bad they did, but you know everything bad you did, right? And so all of a sudden, who, and who jumps on that stuff? The devil does. He likes condemning you. And then all of a sudden you're thinking about how bad I am, how bad this, how bad that. And, and what happens to your faith when you think, when you think that you're disconnected from God? You're, you're, you believe, well, why would he do that for me? And then all of a sudden, and so it comes down to, one, how valuable are you to God? And the, it goes the same way. You can believe that somebody else is valuable to God, but maybe not me. Maybe I'm not at worth as much. And that's just a lie. It's just a lie from the devil. But you have to see that the promise, you know, those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, right? If I believe that promise, then I've got to believe it the same way here, <laughs> right? That's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. And, and John may have done some bad stuff. You've never done anything wrong, have you, John? I didn't think so. <laughs> But the stuff he's lying about right now is, uh, you know, it's there and it's real. And mine is there and it's real too. I love you, man. <laughs> so those things are real and they're there, but so are mine. But that's not stopping him from receiving the anointing when I pray for him. Why should it stop me from receiving when I pray? Because God's not holding that stuff. You've got to understand that when you got born again, you're a clean slate to God. You look like Jesus. You look like the righteousness of God. But our actions can weaken ourselves, step out. And what you're talking about is it's not necessarily your mess-ups that stepped you out of relationship with God by themselves. It's your belief that they stepped you out. That belief is actually what steps you out of that place. And then you kind of disconnect. It's almost like you turn the switch off between you and God. And I've, I, I've done that. I've, I've dwelt with that, dealt with that. One of the things I wanted to say this about the, um, uh, like where we have been attacked with sickness, one of the things uh, that happened was I, I was recovering decently fast, and then in the middle of that, uh, the Lord was putting it on my heart. He was showing me wisdom for quick recovery. What I needed was sleep. <laughs> and he was talking to me about sleeping, and yet there was still a period of time where I stayed up later than I should have, had to get up earlier than I wanted to, and then I'm run down. Well, that open, that disobedience it wasn't sin that disconnects me from God, but it was that disobedience. He was showing me how to escape the sickness, and I'm, I didn't do it. You know, because, and it doesn't matter if it was because I was working hard or not. I didn't do it. You know? um, that, that verse in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, even though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. In other words, I can, I can do everything for the right reason, but if I'm still being disobedient to the leading of God, I, I don't profit from it. So let's, we got another question, and then we'll finish up with that. Does anybody have other questions? Or you want to do this again next week? Or we'll, well, actually next week, Dwayne will be here, but maybe in a couple weeks. Does anybody have more questions they want to ask? Or am I, have I asked them all, answered them all? Okay. Are deliverance and healing the same thing? Good question. If not, what is the difference? Awesome.
Great question. And by deliverance, you mean casting out the devil out of somebody, right? I mean, it's either you're casting out sickness or you're casting out the <laughs> Again, it's kind of like the salvation and healing are one and the same. So is deliverance. So um, what you're looking at deliverance is uh, basically when the devil or a demon is uh, not necessarily possessing someone, but they are oppressed by something. A lot of times when Jesus healed people, we say they healed, he actually got somebody delivered and he kicked out a devil out of, and, and not necessarily out of them, that can happen too, but not necessarily. He, he basically said, like if, if Miss Dixie had a devil that was trying to bother her, he'd basically say, nope, you can't get near this woman again. She is now living in freedom. That anointing is residing in her. You don't have rights. Mm -hmm. So it's blocking that. You know, kicking it out or kicking it away from her life and then blocking that. But they go hand in hand. In other words, when salvation... Uh, to save, that word literally means to save, uh, to eternally save. It means to be healed. It basically means to save from anything that you need saving from. So if it's sickness, it's, it's provided in salvation in Christ. If it's from a devil, then it's provided in Jesus Christ. If it's, uh, it means to, to save, to heal, to prosper, uh, to deliver, to restore, to protect, those are the main areas there. I'll say those again. To save, to heal, deliver, restore, prosper, and protect. Those are the main areas. And basically, everything falls under those areas. Everything falls under those areas. Anything that you need freedom. That's why Jesus came as the Christ, as the anointed one. Uh, he was anointed, and what that meant was to bring freedom in every area whatsoever. And so what the Bible, a lot of, you know, we kind of got off, uh, I would say, when we started talking about, and there is a difference between possession by a demon and oppression by a demon. There's a difference in that. But the, the biggest, you know, the biggest thing is they got demonic activity trying to oppress them, hold them down, put a bondage on them, and put a yoke on them, and Jesus wants them free. And so all we have to do is move in our authority, and uh, they'll be free. It, it's real simple. So a lot of people make it out bigger than it should be. They're scared of stuff like that. There's nothing to be scared of. You just need to know, know the word, know the promises, and know who you are in him. So don't, you know, and like with this, what we were talking about a second ago where I said I wasn't obedient to get the rest. Well, in that situation, it's important for me to hear from God and be obedient too. So amen. Well, let's wrap up there. If you have more questions, um, I definitely, I, this is very, how many have people been helped by these? Amen. If you have any more questions, uh, just let me know. And um, a lot of times people will have questions that might be uh, personal, but maybe we can help uh, put it in a public way that will help other people as well. So definitely let us know if you'd like to ha have another question and answer session on healing before we move back into the uh, discipleship class. So thank you for joining us. Father, right now, Lord, we just praise you.
And, and if you've got anything in your body that is, you need healing from, if you need uh, deliverance even, if you need that in your life and you feel like that's you, then just you know, put your hands on yourself where that pain is or wherever you feel like. And uh, Lord, right now, your word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Healing be and freedom be in Jesus' name. We praise you, Father, for it. And just say, I believe and I receive the fullness of your love, the fullness of your healing and your restoration and deliverance in my life. And I reject and I rebuke anything that is not of God. It is not a part of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great one.